Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. <laughs> Normally, this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but due to the pandemic and social distancing, we can no longer do that. And, you know, we're recording this in late July, and it's a, it's a pretty bleak time here in America. Uh, you know, we can't even safely reopen schools, let alone, let alone movie theaters. Nope. I can't go to the office. It's just been you and I and our two dogs. I mean, we turned a spare bedroom into uh, another home office. Yeah. So we got two home offices now. I mean, as far as, you know, movie theaters, it's really anyone's guess as far as like when movie going will return in any form. I mean, you know, my opinion on this is I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna go streaming. I don't think... I you mean, don't think I, theaters are ever coming back? I'm not gonna say ever, but I think they're gonna be like drive-in movie theaters. What's going to happen to all of the like physical buildings that have screens inside of them? Are they just going to get bulldozed for like? I mean, a lot sonic drive-throughs. I mean, that, that's the question. <laughs> that's that a, a lot, lot of real estate. But that's a question that a lot of companies are having to deal with too, because they realize that their workers are actually being more productive at home than they are in the office. So they're wanting their workers to work more remote and maybe 100% remote. So they won't need that big office space. And this could be cost savings for a lot of companies that are going to be doing that. I think AMC and Regal and all of that, they probably are going to combine. And I think they're going to do a streaming There was briefly talks about AMC aligning with Amazon. I think Amazon buying out. AMC theaters, yeah. which would have been very interesting. I, I don't think that happened. I think it's still in process. It could be because I mean, Amazon wants all their wants the content for Amazon Prime. I De- mean, definitely makes sense for to, Amazon to raise the monthly rates. I mean, and for people to pay extra for premium content like new releases. I think that's where it's going to go. Unfortunately. I think the days of a movie theater are going to be long gone. Well, theaters are most vulnerable, but there's also the studios. And, you know, for their more expensive product, like a Wonder Woman or a Tenant, you know, it can't make a billion dollars without those movie theaters. I mean, maybe, you know, not make (laughs) movies that are that expensive. And maybe. I don't know what you're talking about. Drama. I mean, there's a thought, you know, who needs a bit, another Marvel movie? Well, a, a lot of people. I Apparently, mean, I, those I, are the only movies keeping theaters afloat before this pandemic hit. Yeah, it's it's a real big question as far as like when theaters will return. Okay. And, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll charge 60 bucks to, to rent it online for, you know, for a family. What movie are you going to pay $60 to watch, to, to rent? Okay, 40 bucks. I mean, that's what we would spend to go see a movie, you and me. 20 bucks a piece i guess and 20 bucks i can go up to 20 bucks if it's a movie i really want to see i'm not gonna go much higher than that i mean i think for tenant i think i have like a 30 dollar cap let's let's be real (laughs) like a movie is a movie (laughs) i'm not gonna like empty out my bank account to watch a movie once (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, but think about that. That's how pe- that's how families feel. A family of four, yeah, going to the theater. Can you imagine watching like Shrek three with like eight kids? Okay, <laughs> in the in the movie theater, no, but at home, yeah, because they'd be running all over the place. Yeah, they're confined and they're not ruining other people's movie going experience. 
It's a real shame. I mean, because it, it definitely feels like COVID-19 is here for a good while. It's it's settling in. It's becoming an American resident. <laughs> it's got... We, we went from, like, ignoring the virus for two months back in January to eventually, like, pushing responsibility off onto state governors. And then by the end of March, our president was kind of undermining his own federal guidelines by urging states to reopen. So with the exception of New York who got hit the hardest, earliest, uh, at no point did we bring the infection level down to, like, an appropriate level for reopening. Definitely not to where, like, theaters and schools can reopen. But, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, we're America. You know, that's what we do. We, we politicize science, <laughs> like, to our detriment. And <laughs> so now we're the most infected country in the world. And, you know, without clear, coherent leadership, everyone is kind of just on their own, is how it feels. I mean, we just stay inside. I mean, wear your masks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just take- wear your mask. Yeah. The risk for living life has, has increased. And I know people are like, well, I don't want to wear my mask. It's my body, my blah, blah, blah. I'm just feel like, okay, that, that is your right. But then that's your right for businesses to not serve you and not allow you in the doors. Yeah. Don't, Cause I that's mean, they're right. If you don't want to wear your mask, Stay at home. I mean, just don't yeah stay at home and don't throw a hissy fit yeah. when like businesses throw you out like don't like, don't be a jackass and make a big scene but yeah i mean wearing a mask is literally the least we can do uh, i mean until we have like some genuine vaccinations or therapeutics to and, deal and, with this and, and we're getting there and we're getting people, there the mask isn't about you the mask is about how if you are asymptomatic and you carry covid19 but you're not showing any symptoms it's about you infecting others so be courteous be kind and, and look out for your fellow man it's literally the the least that is being asked of us it's the least you can do and it's very simple it's what we all have to do to kind of look out for each other. I, I honestly can't believe that... It sucks co- that we're in this place. I know. I, but I, but at the same time, I honestly can't believe that COVID-19 has made people wash their hands. I mean... Well, I was washing did, my hands. I know. You take... I mean, y- you are the epic hand washer, I will tell you. I, I felt like they didn't wash their hands before this. And you had to, you know, have a pandemic to tell you to wash your damn hands. Now I kind of feel safer going out to restaurants, you know, with my mask on. But because well, they, they the sit you away from people. Sit, I'm all fine. I don't need people up on me. Right? Sit I me mean, away. Yeah. Do you remember? Space when, it out. When we went to Mr. Chow's in Los Angeles, everyone's like seated up on each we other. We were crammed in yeah. there. I don't like I that mean, at any oh point. Oh my god, it was bad. Yeah, I don't like restaurants like that. I don't want people up on me here in my conversation. Yeah. But, I like the privacy. Give me but, some space. But that's how it was. I don't think it's going to go back to that. No, restaurants are going to be distancing patrons yeah. for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I mean, the, the infections are so like out of control. Like States that have relaxed certain restrictions are now kind of doubling back and then tightening up restrictions. So it's a real um, shit show uh, as, far as, as far as managing this. In, during a pandemic, well, I'll tell you what we've learned. You need leadership at the federal level. You do. That's crucial during a pandemic. Yep. So, yeah, these days we're just, you know, we're talking about what we've been watching here at home. And uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about two new movies that just hit. Woohoo! <laughs> I am excited Some new to content. actually. Uh, well, movie that you haven't seen before or that I haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean. This is how we usually new, do it. Yeah, we go to the I'm, theater, we see something new. You know, I'm excited for one movie, but the other movie, yeah. So, yeah, the um, the first is The Old Guard, starring Charlize Theron, which is available on Netflix. And the second is Greyhound, the World War II movie starring Tom Hanks, 
which is available on Apple TV Plus. So I guess you know we'll just we'll, we'll get into the old guard. Uh, yes. You know, you know, <laughs> this movie uh, you know premiered on Netflix on July 10th, and uh, reportedly it's on track to have like over 70 million views. That's awesome. I read. And that, that makes it one of Netflix's uh, most watched titles ever. Yeah. It stars Charlie Theron. I believe she's a producer on this. It's directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who's made some solid romantic dramas. Love and Basketball, Beyond the Lights. Very solid rom- uh, romantic dramas. I love Love and Basketball. Yeah, it's a good one. Beyond the Lights is very solid also. But this is a change of pace, right? Like, this has this is very different from those movies. Well, yeah, this is not a romance no, whatsoever. No, this is not a romantic like, drama. This is, um, I mean, it's based on a comic book. Yeah. I mean, this is like a, a $70 million action film. You know what? If you're going to put a female lead in an action, I mean, Charlize Theron is the girl to do. I mean, I loved Atomic Blonde, but um, this movie, I mean, I, well, also, I enjoyed it. Also, you're forgetting Furiosa and Fur- Mad, Mad well, Max. Yeah, that, I mean, she's, she's amazing. So between Furiosa and Atomic Blonde, yeah, I mean, Charlize Theron, I mean, she's definitely proven her action chops. And, I mean, she's proven just over the course of her career, she can do it all. Like, yeah. drama, comedy. I mean, last year we were talking about her in a Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. She can do action. Uh, she's great. <laughs> this uh, this movie has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this is a well-received movie, and there's already talk of a sequel. I enjoyed this kick-ass girl movie. Mm. Charlize Theron, she plays uh, Andy, and she and her team, they are these immortal warriors who have been around for centuries. And they do various missions throughout the globe, basically protecting world order, stopping the bad guys. Yes. Uh, so this story, it kind of centers around this guy, Stephen Merrick, who's played by Dudley Dursley. <laughs> Dudley Dursley's in this. He's a pharmaceutical tycoon. Who, <laughs> who well, Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, this guy was born to play. Play a villain. Oh my god, he plays it so well. Yeah, I mean, he has a face you just you want to punch. Yes. You just want to punch this face. <laughs> but he's a pharmaceutical tycoon who wants to capture these immortals and learn the secrets of their abilities. Essentially. Well, cuz he wants to bottle it. Yeah, right. And and making it like a immortal like lotion or potion or whatever and people <laughs> live longer. You know, typical bad guy aspirations. <laughs> I mean, evil, definitely evil villain made, made the pharmaceutical company <laughs> not look so hot. I mean, it's, it's kind of like X Men, where everyone on the team is Wolverine, is what's going on. That's these, pretty much it. Yeah, these uh, all these team members they can regenerate. You know, you can like shoot them with bullets, you can stab them, and they will slowly regenerate. And we get a bunch of moments where that happens. Yeah, where it looks like one of them has been killed suddenly, and then oh nope. They can come back to life. It kind of <laughs> kind of removes the stakes a little bit when none of your main characters can die. Yeah, but at the end, they don't stay immortal. Like, it'll stop. It's Right. It's kind of arbitrary yeah. when it just stops. Like, we don't know when. It just stops. But I think that, that'll be a good... It's kind of dumb. But that'll be a good source of maybe the sequel where they kind of dive into that. Let's also say uh, we're going to get into some spoilers during this. I mean, we're just going to talk freely. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, you you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, you know, come back after you've seen it. So, um, you know, they have this team. Matthias Schoenhardt, he's on there. They work for this guy, Copley, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. And uh, there's this new recruit, played by Kiki Lane. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, another section of the film kind of centers on her character being brought into the group, well, yeah, discovering because, her powers. Well, they hadn't had a new recruit in such a long period of time, and they all found out because they all had a dream of her. But I think she's coming in to play kind of when she's going to be the new Charlize Theron. Well, yeah, I guess a lot of this film, like, Charlize kind of takes her under her wing, like, shows her the ropes. Well, shows her the ropes, but as Charlize Theron is dwindling out, this new one is going to be powerful. Charlize Theron, she can feel her, her powers kind of dissipating. Well, she didn't rejuvenate, but yes. Well, in the opening scene, like, they all get gunned down and she does rejuvenate. Yeah, but not at the end where she was stabbed and she didn't heal. Okay. Now she's not immortal anymore, but they don't know how everything turns out. But there's a big spoiler at the end. There was a number two. Right. A number two girl that I think is going to come back to be a bad bitch. And it looks like maybe like Matthias Schoenhardt is going to be teaming up with her. Yeah. Because he kind of betrays the group towards the end, right? So I think with living that many years and and like centuries, you learn that shit doesn't matter. Well, when you're immortal and you get betrayed, like what's the big deal? Yeah. I can survive it. (laughs) I mean, they gave him a a punishment. He couldn't be with the team for 100 years. That's right. Yeah, they banish him at the end. Um, So he did get punishment. He has to be alone. That's right. Yeah, they don't age. Mm. Like, what? why do they stop at, like, the age that they're at, like, physicality-wise? Do they explain that? I think that's probably the time where they first died and came back. I would, honestly, I would like to read the the comic book, the graphic novel that this is based on. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think you, you enjoyed this more than I did. Why don't you, um, yeah, just talk about what you what you enjoyed. Well, I just love it. Just a girl kick-ass. I mean, even though there was a couple boys in here, too. I mean, but the two main characters were just kick-ass women. Even though Charlize Theron's character was kind of giving up and kind of like, you know, humans don't need any more saving. Like, I'm tired, pretty much. I mean, tell that to Dr. Fauci. We need to hear him more than and ever. And then, you know, the new the new <laughs> recruit kind of changes her mentality and gets her back in the game and really makes her think that humans are worth saving again. How'd you feel about this character, Niall, played by Kiki Lane? Did you like this performance? I do. Yeah, I did. I guess, to me, it didn't really leave much of an impression. Really, none of the actors really left much of an impression. Except Charlize Theron. Not even really Charlize Theron. This is kind of... Mm. The, like the least effective I've seen her on screen in a while. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. She's playing it just kind of stoic. But and... that, that's the character. She's like nonchalant. Well, she's kind she's... of boring. All all the characters are kind of stoic. Like I mean, give I me mean, give me some give me some color in the she's cast. Uninspired. She's uninspired. She's bored with life. She's yeah, bored. she's bored. She's like, why am I saving these people? Yeah, I was a little bored watching her as a character. I, I mean, usually uh, Charlize Theron brings it. Even in bad movies, Charlize Theron brings it. I didn't really feel like she brought much to this character. This was a forgettable character and a forgettable performance. In your opinion, because yeah. that wasn't my opinion. No, listen, I'll say, I know I'm in the minority and how I feel about this. I mean, it's got 81%. Yeah. Pe- pe- people are loving it. Yeah. Yeah, I did not care for this, uh, mainly in just the way that it's presented. Like, visually, to me, this is a very uninteresting movie to look at. I think well, the story... Well, yeah, you thought, you thought the, dir- like, the direction and like there was no style. Well, I mean, this is an action movie. So, like, providing some sort of aesthetic energy is really the whole point of doing this, right? I mean, you have to provide some kind of energy. 
But you were talking about like a girl power movie. And, you know, earlier this year we talked about mm. Birds of Prey. And that's a movie we both enjoyed. And now that is like a girl power action movie where there's so much color and there's so many characters that pop and performances that pop and action scenes that are easy to follow. And that movie has a real style and energy to it. It does. And it's also like 30 minutes shorter. This movie's like over two hours. This movie's longer than Star Wars. Why is this movie longer than Star Wars? Because it's great. I mean, what are we doing with all this runtime? While we were watching it, I did. I complained about the style or lack of style. This is filmed like an episode of The Office. It is not. It is all handheld camera, medium close-ups. There is no style to this. Look, other movies you could compare this to. Wanted with Angelina Jolie, James McAvoy. That was another comic book movie. Uh, you know, a bit, like a big glitzed up action movie. I mean, kind of a dumb movie, but it had so much style. And when you remember Wanted, there are certain images, just crazy scenes. Like the weaving of the... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just I remember a guy like leaping out of a window in slow motion and like firing a pistol. The, the shot. Curve the, curve the bullet around the room. Yeah. I mean, it's a disposable movie, but the style makes it enjoyable and it makes it memorable. And this movie is really lacking that. And I, uh, that comes from the, the direction. And it's not just like the camera work, the costumes. Like, what's up with the costumes? There's, there's no color. The sets all look empty and drab. This is like a boring movie to look at. But the story, the story is interesting. And so that's where I'm conflicted. Like, I enjoyed the story. There's a good foundation here to do some crazy shit and have a lot of fun and bring a lot of energy. And the filmmaking team just did not bring it. I disagree. I mean, we get these flashbacks to like them like centuries ago. We see like Charlie Snare on like like riding on horseback. And these flashbacks look really cheap. Like they just like found a field in California somewhere and like put the cheapest costume they could. I mean, aesthetics. Last week we talked about Tony Scott, Man on Fire. One of the most beautiful action movies you've, you'll ever see. And this what, movie has, doesn't hold a candle what, to that. What's their rating? What's Man on Fire's rating on... Uh... On Rotten Tomatoes, right? Because we know, like, a, a movie's worth is up to its Rotten Tomatoes. But no, I mean, look, we talked about Atomic Blonde. That movie is just drenched in style uh, and yeah. atmosphere and a banging '80s soundtrack. The soundtrack on this movie sucks. Yeah, the soundtrack could have. What, been... what, what are these tunes? What are these tunes? It's it's not good. Okay, so I they give... blew it. They blew it. I would recommend this movie. Mm-hmm. I would give it a B plus. No. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, no, I, I would give it like a C. I'll give this a C. B plus. Sure. Because it could have been a little shorter. I mean, you compare this to like but. the Kingsman movies. Those movies have style. Those action scenes are energized. Those well, performances those performances pop. I didn't do that. Those performances pop. I I'm just saying that's another I'm just saying that's another like stylized comic book adaptation. Those movies were based on comic books like this. This, this movie could have used a little bit more comedy. That's what made Bird of Prey. That's what makes the humor. It's popping. It, it is. It's the humor. This was a very serious movie. You're and... supposed to be having fun with this. Like what why yeah, why why is this so dour and drab and serious? Well, that is why it's not an A. I mean, is it is this a good date movie? You would say yes. I would, yeah. I, you would not, but well, I didn't enjoy it. But I mean, it's a, it's okay for date night, I guess. Well, see, I mean, you it, know, it was... watch this movie with somebody that doesn't have a degree in film. <laughs> film is a visual medium, <laughs> right? And I'm saying, like, you're better off just reading the graphic novel. Why don't we take 
a quick break. Yep. When we come back, we'll get into Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks. Yippee. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about Greyhound. This movie, it premiered on Apple TV Plus on July 10th, and it has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? <laughs> I always Are like, you serious? I always wait for your reaction when I give the score. No, that I mean that's that was one reason why I you know I wanted both of us to watch it because it was getting good reviews. But yeah, I guess we'll just talk real quick uh, about Apple TV Plus. That's the only way to see this is to have a subscription to Apple's like premium streaming service. And like I don't know what the hell else is on that service. I know I, I know there's like a show with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. I think there's a show with Aquaman on there. <laughs> I think there's well, I think this. The there's Jennifer, a bunch of shows. Yeah, I think Jennifer and the Morning Show. I think is what it's called. I, I think that got good ratings, though. I mean, it's, sure. I, I haven't. I haven't seen any of it. I mean, they've put a lot of money into all this content, and I don't know who's watching it. But this movie, it compelled me to sign up for like a free trial. You get like a week free. I imagine movies like this, like Big Star Vehicles. This is like a fifty million dollar movie. It was supposed to go to theaters, but big star vehicles like this, I mean, I would imagine that's a good play for a service like Apple TV. Yeah. I would imagine that this movie compelled a number of other people to like sign up for a free trial, give it a go. Yeah. Unfortunately. Just, just remember to cancel it. <laughs> just as soon as, <laughs> soon as those credits are rolling, cancel subscription. Yeah, just a quick setup. Tom Hanks, he's a commanding officer of the USS Keeling, which is codenamed Greyhound. And he's leading a convoy of allied ships to Liverpool in 1942. And they go through a patch of ocean known as the Black Pit. This is like a, a gap of ocean where they'll be unable to receive air cover, kind of leaving them exposed. And over the course of this film, it's really just a series of skirmishes. You know, Tom Hanks trying to evade fire and trying to return fire. Yeah. And it's 90 minutes of that. It's a big warship trying to hit submarines just the whole entire movie. Because the Germans love their submarines in World War II. And this was all about that fight and that battle. I mean, submarines, submarines are cool. I'm down for a good submarine movie. There's been plenty of them. I mean, me personally. No, I don't want to personally the, go go on a submarine. Scare the crap out of me. Being, uh-uh. But I'm, I'm down for a good submarine movie. So, yeah, I mean, this movie, it starts pretty much like right in the battle. We get a couple of flashbacks to him with his fiance. No, girlfriend. Elizabeth- <laughs> he, he propo- I thought she was his wife. He and you're propo- like, nope. <laughs> he proposes and then she says no. <laughs> Is that the scene, like, at the train station or yeah. whatever? <laughs> he wants her to come with him, and she's like, I can't. I've got responsibilities. And says no. Pretty much tells him to wait until he's back. So, yeah. It's just, I mean, the movie is really, it's, um, you know, a bunch of battles at sea, which, in theory, sounds pretty cool. One nice thing I'll say before we get into some more negative. The movie's structure, how it kind of just puts you right into the action from the first scene. It does. There and, was not a lot of lead up. And maintains the yeah. action and suspense element all throughout. That's a great structure for like a combat movie. I feel like that's kind of what Dunkirk was trying to do. I yeah. mean, a movie like Black Hawk Down does a really good job of that. But yeah, this movie is just it's trying to eliminate all the setup. We get some titles on screen and we're just bam, right into the, You're the, in it. the combat. But I think that leaves this movie kind of set up for failure. 
you know, we all we all know World War Two. We all get it, and we all have studied it in school, and you know all of these things. But I didn't get what you just said, so I didn't like get that. You know, why is there a dead zone? Mm-hmm. You know, why can't there be air cover? Like, I I don't know. The movie isn't very clear with specific details yeah. like that. I think Tom Hanks, you know, I love him. I really do. I think he's a great actor. He's, he's one of our best. I, I really think he just kind of phoned it in on this one. And or the director didn't get what he should have gotten out of him. Well, I'm watching this. And I mean, really, this is Tom Hanks standing in front of a green screen for 90 minutes, barking military orders. Well, you know what? I, it, it's probably the fact that this is a newcomer director. And working with somebody like Tom Hanks, it's probably hard to direct somebody like Tom Hanks. Sure. I'm, I'm watching this movie, you know, with Tom Hanks, you know, where he, again, he's standing in front of a green screen, just barking orders. And I'm thinking, like, surely there's other things for this talented actor to be doing. Yeah. Like, with his time. Like, surely he has better options, even if it's just not working. <laughs> like... He could take a couple months off. Like, well, that's, I think he did when he got COVID. Well, sh- sure, but he was in—he was about to start a new film. Yeah, I mean, the man must love working. But yeah, I find out later in the credits, like he's a producer, and he wrote the script. Yeah, the man dedicated time to sit down and hammer these words out. Like, why aren't we giving Tom Hanks better scripts? Why doesn't Why doesn't Tom Hanks have access to better scripts? Is my like, why does he have to write? shit for himself i don't understand I, yeah i mean i'm not sure maybe maybe this has been kind of a passion a passion well i think tom hanks uh, he seems to be a, like a, a world buff. war ii yeah. kind of buff yeah he's been in a lot of world war ii movies hasn't he well he produced band of brothers also yeah. along with steven spielberg so i understand having interest in that period um but I mean, you're it, Tom Hanks. Yeah, like, what are you and, doing? And there was this thing about, you know, <laughs> him getting served breakfast or served like, you yeah. know. We need to get into this. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, they, they use the. I'm so- <laughs> okay. So this is hard for me to say, but, you know, I and I understand culturally where, you know, this is coming from. But like there needs to be another way that we could portray African Americans during this time period. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's very strange, but yeah, really, the only African Americans we see are the ones serving him his breakfast, and it's kind of like a running theme. Like it is every a running theme. Every now and then, after firing on some warships, he gets a little hungry and he needs his coffee. <laughs> so, a, a black man wearing all white comes and serves him his breakfast and his coffee. Like I, I don't know what we're. I mean, why? <laughs> And I feel like they're all, like, they have to be serving or they have to be in give these, the Marines or whatever. Like, Give these characters something to do. Yeah, if you're going to depict you this, if you're going to go out of your way to depict this, give these actors actual characters to play well, instead of just the fucking butler. I, I just, I feel like you can't be on a military ship like that without being enlisted. So those servants are enlisted Navy people. Yeah. And... That, one of them that's how they treat i mean that's just that 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 to me like really pissed me off in this movie i mean i I'm, i was trying to figure out like is the movie trying to give some sort of commentary about like yeah. the racial di- dynamic but it doesn't come across like no, it, it, the it, way to do that would be to give them actual characters to play so like we know how they feel about the situation 
all we know is that they're there with the breakfast and the coffee. And they're they're happy to serve. Totally happy to do it. It's like Gone with the Wind meets the Polar Express is what we're watching. I would have liked more context. I would have liked to see more, I guess, of those characters than we did. Yeah. I'm just so, like, I'm sad it's, that, that this yeah. exists. <laughs> that this movie exists? I am. This is going to end up this in is theaters. This, this is going to go to theaters. I would have been really mad. <laughs> What's well, a waste of an afternoon? Movie. Yeah, beyond the money, it's a waste of an afternoon. Uh, but let's let's just talk about the visual effects because it, green screen. <laughs> oh my god, the visual effects. It looks uh, terrible. Like nothing is convincing here. That's why I'm saying like the structure of this movie, you know, putting you right into the war is stripping it all the way down. It could work if we're doing some practically staged, coherent action. But this is all pixels. This is all done on a computer. I feel like yep. I'm watching The Polar Express with Tom Hanks. At times, Tom Hanks doesn't even look real. Like, no. he's up against, like, a completely fake backdrop, and he looks digital himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. There's this one where he's, like, pretending to look out. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing scene. is real. Nothing in this movie is real. It's a. I mean, clearly, they are on a set in the middle of a soundstage, and everything else is done in the computer, and it is just not convincing. If you can get past that, the, just the fakeness of this, but even the acting, you might enjoy. No, you might the, get some. The acting was horrible. I mean, it was atrocious. Like, let's be real. Even Tom Hanks is not his best work. He's just and, barking orders. Yeah. he's just one note. He's just kind of stoic, resolute, he's and got barking no orders. Emotion. Like this is not the Tom Hanks that we all know and love. Again, I don't know. This is not Mr. Rogers. I like. I can't even fathom what would draw a man to this script. Of Tom Hanks' Thatcher, what would draw him to this script? Let alone take the time to actually write, write it. it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand. But at the end of the day, he, I mean, he saves, he saves the day. Well, yeah, I mean, he. <laughs> so what happens is he's he's he gets the supply ship. There's a lot of people, a lot of other Allied ships being taken out at this time too. But he gets the supply ship over the line where they can have air cover and the planes come and destroy the submarines, which is good. It was a, that was a rewarding moment. It's a close call, you know, so, uh, you know, trying to get some suspense going. And then at the end, they were like, OK, you just turn yourself around and go home. Thanks a lot. We'll take it from here. I think like the last shot is like, him just laying down to take a nap. Yeah, he, so he can finally sleep. I mean, I think that was just the whole thing in this, you know. He's got to keep chugging coffee. Because if he goes to sleep, they're going to get shot down. <laughs> well, and he does, he's not eating and he's not sleeping. I think this is how he... They could have dialed into, like, what's going on in his head a little more. Like, they the pressure have. he's under. It's just... This this movie, it, yeah, it doesn't dive deep anywhere. No, it doesn't. It's very pun, surface. Pun intended. I mean, I did not like this movie. This movie was atrocious. <laughs> Cinematic atrocity. And I give it a D. And the only reason why I give it a D and not an F is because I'll, I'll give a couple points for Tom Hanks. Well, also the runtime. This movie is 90 minutes. Yeah. So that is a, like just a blessed relief. Yeah. When this movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> and what grade did you give it? It's a D minus. Yeah. This is rock bottom Tom yeah. Hanks. This and I mean, sad. I haven't seen Turner and Hooch in a long time, but this is <laughs> this is one of the worst I've seen of his. And again, I Tom Hanks, you have to have better options than I this. Know. He, I know. I mean, he, even in his later years, he usually hits it. Yeah. He usually hits it. 
So, yeah, this was terrible and not worth a subscription to Apple TV+. Plus. Definitely not, and it's not a date even, movie at all. Even in the midst of a pandemic, quarantined. Like, you can find something on any other channel. I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch uh, more reruns of Glee. Watch Glee, yeah. <laughs> Play Ghost of Tsuchimura. Uh, Su- oh, yeah, that's good. Tsuchihira. Yeah, there's other things to do with your time. Yeah, right. now, if you're on the fence, like, yeah. should I pull the trigger for this Apple TV subscription so I can watch this movie? Don't. Just say no. So I guess that's it. And you can find more episodes of our show at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.